Well, welcome to the gathering, and we're going to begin uh, today talking about life's disappointments. Somewhere around 2006 to 2010, I can't remember the exact time, but um, I felt like God showed me that I had, I was praying just about my heart and where it was at that time, and I felt like the Lord showed me, He said, you've got disappointments that you really haven't let go of, and that those were some of the root of the negative emotions that I was struggling in. And so I began to just write down some disappointments that I had and um, just ask the Lord to open my eyes to see the, the beauty in them. And the neat thing is I can tell you down the road, and that's been, what, um, goodness, 12 to 15 years ago, I guess, I can tell you that there is a lot of beauty that I have seen and a lot of healing that has come. When I did this lesson, and I've done this one before, um, it was one of the most popular lessons of the lessons. And so I think that's because so many of us have disappointments in life. And they can be big disappointments. Um, they can be disappointments that are small, just, you know, part of a day. But I think for me, um, just learning to let go of them quicker. I'm much quicker now to let go when I realize that. Um, but I want you right now to write down three disappointments. This can be something from your past, your present, but just write down something and you're like, yeah, that really disappointed me. Because I think one of the things and a key to freedom is acknowledging where our heart is. And I think all too many times we are taught to just kind of sweep things under the rug or, oh, that didn't hurt or that didn't bother me or whatever. But write down just three that come to mind right now. As you take the lesson and study it this week, um, your study questions will go in depth a little bit more and you might think of others, but just three real quickly. And number one, we want to talk about the definition of a disappointment. So a disappointment is defined as a sadness or displeasure caused by the non-fulfillment of one's hopes, dreams, or expectations. I'm going to say that again. The definition of a disappointment is the sadness or displeasure caused by the non-fulfillment of one's hopes, dreams, or expectations. And I think the thing that we, we, I want to talk about is, I think at times, like I said, acknowledging, not denying our feelings or sweeping them under the rug, but just acknowledging, okay, this is a disappointment. And Lord, I do want to give this to you. Your word says you'll help us with anything. And I think when we do that, it shifts our focus and it begins to put us in a place where we can see things a little bit different. There are many different kinds of disappointments. Some are very heartbreaking. Um, sometimes we can have something planned and our plans get canceled. And that's just a, you know, it's just a disappointment. When we, maybe it could be something big. You know, one for me was I'd, you know, married young and we had planned life together and, you know, 
my late husband was gone. And so that was, of course, a huge disappointment because we planned, planned to spend the rest of my life. Um, maybe it's a divorce. I've heard a number of people talk about how divorce has been a disappointment. Maybe it's, for some people, a cutback in jobs, lost a job, um, something disappointing financially with COVID. I know that there has been a whole lot of deaths of dreams and things because, just because of the economy and that sort of thing. Or maybe it's you've prayed for somebody and they haven't been healed yet. You've prayed and prayed in faith and you have someone you love in your family or a good friend and it just hasn't happened yet. Or it could be a family conflict. Um, it could be a relationship coming to an end. That can be a disappointment. Maybe someone you depended on has disappointed. You depended on them, you delegated something to them, you expected them to do something, and they didn't, didn't happen. It didn't happen. Or maybe your mate has been unfaithful to you. Another disappointment that I thought of is, um, and a lot of this is from my work, was abuse, either sexual, verbal, physical abuse. A lot of people that have gone through some kind of trauma like that, somebody that was supposed to love you and cherish you didn't and took advantage of you, and that's a huge disappointment. Or being disappointed by people in the church, somebody that a believer or a pastor or somebody that you've looked up to then does something and that has really um, dis disappointed you. Maybe a disappointment is infertility or the loss of a baby um, or a child born with birth defects. You have your plan and all of a sudden there's a switch. Or I've your kids make wrong choices, and that costs you as a parent. So there's all sorts of disappointments. Hopefully, this has maybe jogged you in some way or, or brought something to your mind. And again, I want to just say that a disappointment is an unfulfilled expectation, a dream, or a hope. And when I was just talking to the Lord about disappointments, one of the, play, one of the things... Um, that I felt like he took me to was Psalm 62 and verse 5. And this is from the, I'm going to read this from the King James Version. I know it's a little bit more archaic, but I like the way they, they put it. Psalm 62 verse 5 says, and this is David, he said, My soul, wait thou only upon God, for my expectation is in him. And what I saw in that passage is David was telling himself, he was preaching to himself. He read the Psalms, he does that a lot, which gives me hope. But he was saying, wait only on God. Put your hope in God in this situation. And it doesn't always mean that that's the way our, our hope or dream is going to be fulfilled. We might be able to see things in just a different light. But I love the way that King James puts that. And that's the thing that I think really stuck out is I had seen where so many times I'd put my expectations in people. I'd put my expectations in uh, myself. 
And that's another disappointment. Sometimes we do something stupid and we make a mistake and we can really, we're disappointed in ourselves. It doesn't always have to be other people. But in reality, disappointments, I think, are a part of life here on earth. And I can't point a finger at anyone, although my heart is to always be somebody that's a blessing. I know that I've disappointed people in the past. And just even acknowledging that and saying, I know that disappointed you that I couldn't come to this or whatever, um, whatever it was. I think that that is, that is important. I love um, just how good God is, though. When we bring our disappointments to him, I think that that's part of the key to then us walking free. Because what we don't want in life is things that are going to weigh us down, that are going to keep us bogged down from living life and life abundantly. And we certainly have our challenges and our adversity here with life here on earth. Beth Moore, um, a lot of you have heard of Beth Moore, famous speaker. And one of the things that Beth has said, and I like this quote, she said, no one has fully embraced the concept of God alone apart from grave disappointments. I'm going to read that again. No one has fully embraced the concept of God alone apart from grave disappointments. And I loved what she said because it was such an encouragement that it's in that place oftentimes of the disappointments where we get to know the heart of God when we really turn to him to be our healer and we look to him in our disappointment. Um, number two in, in your study notes, as you're taking notes, or just key points I think is what these are. God did not promise us an easy life. He just promised to be with us. He promised to be with us. I was reading this morning in Psalm um, 23, I think it's verse 4, and it talks about there how it says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you are with me. Or even though, I think another translation says, even though I walk through adversity, you are with me. I think when we always remember that we're not alone in our disappointment and our challenge, that to me is one of the keys, is I'm really not alone. I might feel alone, but I'm not alone because God is right here. In Psalms, um, no, in John 16, I've referenced the scripture before. But Jesus tells us, he said, I've told you these things so that in me you might have peace. Again, God wants peace in our hearts. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. And, you know, the beauty of when we walk with God, he can take what the enemy has intended as a stumbling block, something to trip us up, to get us off track. He can take that and he can turn it into a stepping stone in our life. And the promise you and I get from that scripture is that when we turn to the Lord, we're going to get the better of this situation. 
And then I think God can evict those disappointments. We can have a whole different perspective. Isaiah 41, 10, and 13 also shows us that God is with us and wants to help us. Isaiah 41, 10 says, Do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. And then verse 13 says, For I am the Lord your God who takes hold of your right hand and says to you, Do not fear, I will help you. The big question for us is what do we do with those disappointments? Because disappointments can make us stumble, fall, go into sinful behavior, um, look for things to medicate our pain, drugs, alcohol, ungodly behavior, if we don't deal with them. And I know when I was working in social work, a big number of people, of the women that I worked with, when I would sit down and talk to them and hear their story, one of the things that had happened and caused them to get off track and go into to breaking the law, addictions, um, depression, all of these things, one of the things was there was a, a big disappointment that had shifted things in their life. And I think for, for all of us, it's laying down our pride, our expectations, and our disappointments to discover the goodness of God and the wonderful Savior that we have. I think when we do that, when we take it and say, okay, Lord, here this is, I'm acknowledging it, I'm bringing it before you and I'm laying it down, um, that's when we can begin to get divine justice. And divine justice to me is saying, I will use my disappointment as a stepping stone and use my dis disappointments to strengthen me. Because when we turn those into stepping stones and we get stronger, free people help set other people free. But as I looked at the disappointments and as God was unraveling this in my life, I found that I had gone down one of three roads in my disappointments. When I looked back at them and had listed them and was diving into them, I thought, okay, I see like three paths. It's like I saw three different roads. And I felt like the Lord said, you have a choice. And you've gone down a couple of these roads, but yet there's, there's one road that's going to be a little bit, it's going to be smoother for you. And so the three roads that I saw myself going down were number one, or, or um, let's see, was the blaming, I called it blaming drive. And we'll talk about, and then we'll talk about the others. So number one, and this is number three on your notes, but blaming drive, that's when we look at a disappointment and we blame somebody else. We either blame others, we blame ourselves, we get mad, we get angry, we get bitter, we lose hope. Sometimes we blame God. And we just, again, we live in a fallen world. But what can happen is, again, when we focus on that disappointment and that unfulfilled expectation, then we can become just like the Pharisees. And if you study in the Bible and look in, in Matthew, 
um, which I was looking through a bunch of that this week. And the Pharisees, you know, they expected Jesus to come in one way. They expected him to come and they had, they had studied the letter of the law. And when Jesus arrived on the scene and he was born in a manger and it didn't look like what they thought he was going to, you know, the coming king, it made the, the Pharisees very judgmental. And this is number four. Judgmental, focusing on disappointments can make us judgmental and critical. And, you know, what I saw that was happening with the Pharisees, they expected God to send the Savior in one way, and he sent him, you know, to this little couple, and he was born in a manger. And they were so busy criticizing their disappointment, they're criticizing that Jesus didn't come like they thought, that, and, they, you know, they were critical that he was eating with sinners. You know, well, look at you, you're eating with sinners. They were missing that they had the King of Kings right there in their presence. And so to me, that was such an eye-opener that we too can be, if we get focused in a negative way on our disappointments, it can make us critical of ourselves, of others. It can make us judgmental. And none of us have the time or energy really to fall into that. Um, they were missing that Jesus was right there. One of the things that came to mind is, um, to me, was, you know, in just, just looking at different disappointments and, you know, the obvious when I talked about, you know, losing Joe. But I thought back to just how at times in marriage, it's so easy. And when I look at being, you know, married, married before and married now, it's so easy to have these expectations, these Cinderella dreams, you know, of what things are supposed to look like or how our prince is supposed to sweep us up. And if we aren't careful, it can make us critical and judgmental. And that is never good in a relationship. And I think the big key in disappointments and for the Pharisees here was they knew a lot about Jesus, but they didn't get to know him personally. They knew a lot about him. And there's a lot of people, I think, that have a lot of head knowledge. They might be able to quote and spout off scriptures, but do how do they, do they really know the heart of God? And I think that's one of the opportunities we have when we embrace our disappointments. Disappointments, I think, too, we can get so, um, we try to figure out so much in our heads. And for me, I think one of the things is coming back to it being a matter of trusting God with our heart. But I think it's real easy on blaming drive, as I call it, to blame others, blame ourselves. And that, when we do that, when we're blaming, it keeps us stuck. And it also, it's letting our circumstances determine our level of faith and passion. Um, the next thing, the next thing that I want to talk about is that a big key to getting off of blaming drive on this road is forgiveness. The big key is forgiveness. Forgiving God, forgiving others is so vital to our freedom. 
My late husband made some choices, wrong choices, and they dearly cost me in my marriage. And I got mad, I got angry, I got bitter, I got disillusioned, and I blamed him. And then I blamed God, and then I blamed my husband, and then I blamed other people. I mean, I went, when I'm telling you I've gone down this road, <laughs> I've really gone down this road. And forgiveness was such a big key and I think it is such a big key in disappointments my book in my book thriving through seasons of grief it's about overcoming in life's disappointments change and loss and it goes into a lot more detail um, I talk about forgiveness I did think I did a whole chapter on it um, or section on it about it being so key so I think in our disappointments we have to look at is there somebody we need to forgive? Because forgiveness is, it means in a simple sense, to cancel or pardon a debt, to stop feeling angry or resentful for an offense. Forgiveness means to cancel or pardon a debt, to stop feeling angry or resentful for an offense. And forgiveness puts you in control. You don't forgive for other people. You forgive for yourself because forgiveness is a huge key to freedom. And so many people get that. I know I did. I can't say so many people. I did. I thought, well, I'll forgive whenever that person apologizes or I'll forgive. This was one of my biggest ones, and I said this to a number of people years ago, well, I forgive when I feel like it. Well, guess what? That day just never came. <laughs> Forgiveness is a choice, and it's a choice we make because we want to walk in freedom. There is a podcast I have. Um, there's two, Forgiveness Part 1 and Forgiveness Part 2, that you might want to, if you go to all episodes or more episodes or however it's listed, there is, I've done two different lessons on forgiveness. I'd love to do one. Maybe in our next session at the gathering, I can do that. But until I quit blaming and started forgiving, my marriage didn't move forward. And God, I can tell you, he brought much restoration to our marriage, and it was better than I had ever imagined. But it was through a lot of heartache, disappointment, and um, forgiveness that that had to come. Another thing that I was thinking of forgiveness, I lost a baby and I miscarried and that was, um, you know, I started having some trouble and we really prayed and, you know, that things would work out and, and then they didn't, then they didn't. And, you know, at first I blamed God. Well, why didn't he heal me? Well, why didn't he protect this baby? Or why, you know, I blamed him. And then it was like, oh my word, you know, well, I wonder if when I did this, that made me miscarry. Or I wonder when I did this, I, you know, in my mind, I was going through everything. And finally, I, I had to just lay all that down, to lay, lay all that down. And I will tell you now, years down the road, I am much quicker to forgive because when we don't forgive, it keeps us bogged down. It keeps us bogged down. And Jesus has said, I have come for you to have life and life to the full. The next road that I found myself going down was the questioning road. 
And we talked about this a little bit yet last week when we were talking about handling crisis. But the questioning road for me, I found a lot of potholes and it slowed me down and kept me stuck. I camped on this road number of, a number of times um, in my life, but especially when my mom got sick. Why, you know, why my mom? Why is she sick now? Why is this happening to me now at this time in my life? And I think what can happen is when we're on the questioning road, it puts us in what I call um, paralysis of analysis. Have you ever just gotten so focused and you're trying to figure it out? They're just things we try to figure out. I think part of that's human nature. But when we get so focused on that, then we can miss God and where he is right in the, the middle of our life. And he is. The big, the big issue was could I keep trusting God if I never got the answer? And when I discovered that, it was a game changer. Can I still trust God if I never get the answer of why me, why now, why this person, why, why, why? That keeps us stuck. And I want to show you how we're not the only ones. I took great, great comfort in this, found two people in the Bible that question God. And I love, I love this. In Psalm 22, verse 1, David was questioning God. And here's what he said, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from me? See, David, in his situation that he was wrestling with, he was wanting to know why God hadn't fixed it, why he wasn't fixing it like he wanted. And that's Psalms 22, verse 1. But the passage that really hit home for me was when I was reading in Matthew 27 verse 46 and this is when Jesus was hanging on the cross and he said he asked God why have you forsaken me now I want you to take note if you go back to Matthew 27 and go on and read in that God did not answer his own son did you realize that? He did not answer his own son in that situation. He didn't answer him. And what hit me when I read that was, then why do I think he owes me an explanation? Why do I think if he didn't answer his own son in that situation, God saw the bigger picture. He saw the redemption that's coming. He saw the people that were going to come to salvation. He saw you and me and where we are now. But God doesn't owe us an explanation. And I think I had always felt like if I can figure it out, then I can understand it and then it'll all be okay. And really what I have found is in disappointments, it's more about a matter of the heart and trusting God. Um, you know, even little things, and this, you know, whatever it is, it's your disappointment. I remember last, last, um, I guess two years ago, I had just found my rhythm. You know, I'd found the gym here in this community, and I was loving it. I was getting in shape. I'd lost a little bit of weight, and I tore my hamstring off of the bone. And all of a sudden, this girl who's used to being active and moving and going and doing, you know, I couldn't even walk. I had to lay around a lot. 
And fortunately, fortunately, I didn't have to have surgery to repair it, but it was a long road to recovery. And it was a huge disappointment, you know, because I couldn't do the things I wanted. I had to really move slow, which that definitely cramps my style too. Um, but I, in that place, I remember laying on my couch and I was in pain and I remember laying that and Lord, saying, Lord, I want you to work things in me and out of me. I want you to work things in me and out of me in this time. And, and I'll tell you the beauty of that is as that hamstring healed, it had always been tight and had limited and it limited me and it was hard for me to pick things up. But as it healed and it healed properly, and the doctor said it'll take longer, but it will do that if you'll do X, Y, and Z. Now I have so much more range of motion. And so that's what I mean about it being a stepping stone versus a stumbling block in our life. And that's where we have to trust God. So, you know, the next one, the next one we have is, you know, God, what do you want to work in me and out of me? Um, and that's where, in that disappointment, whatever it is, big, little, whatever, you know, we get to know the heart of God and how he's going to be our provision, how he's going to supply in that. Number eight, the point number eight, in life's disappointment, often we can't figure it out with our heads. It's a matter of the heart and trusting God. It all comes back to our heart. Because at the end of the day, we give our heart to Jesus. We have that opportunity. And when we do that, we have the opportunity, too, to get to know his heart. And so it's, again, shifting our perspective and our focus to, Lord, open my eyes to see this as you see it. Open my eyes to see this setback of what you want to do in my life. The best road we can take, and this is the road that so many times, like I said, I tried to figure things out, understand, question, blame, um, all of these things, but the best road that we can take is the road of acceptance. And it's choosing not to live in my disappointment, but choosing to walk in faith, enjoy, and trust. And the acceptance road says, God, you are big enough to fix it. And you're big enough to heal my disappointment. I quoted this last week uh, by a, a quote by Graham Cook, and it is, for those of you that might have missed it, God allows in his wisdom what he could easily prevent in his power. God allows in his wisdom what he could easily prevent in his power. And when I remember that, it always quietens my soul. Okay, Lord, you could have fixed this. You could have prevented this. You could have, you could have, you could have. But I always have to step back and look at me and, and Lord, what are you wanting to work in me and out of me? Romans 8, 28 promises us that in all things, all things work together for our good 
all things work together. And this road, when we're on this road, it allows our disappointments. It allows us, for me, the acceptance of, okay, this is what it is. Lord, I trust you. It doesn't mean it's an end. It doesn't mean you're not going to fix it. it. doesn't mean you're not going to heal. It doesn't mean that. But I am accepting where I am, but looking to you in faith. And to me, the working it out for the good is called the process. And what I have found the older I get is that life is more about not just fixing a problem, but it's more in life. I think that's where the growth comes from. Is It's about being conformed to his image in our difficulty. And it's saying yes to the process. It's saying yes to the process with God. It's God's, it, for us, the big key is putting our faith in him. For me, the, the big key, too, is keeping my heart right and not quitting the process of partnering with God. Um, I just, there's so, there's so much that can come when we partner with God in different situations. Psalm 147, verse 3 states, and I want to go over this. I want to just note the scripture. In Psalm 147, it says, He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. And that's a promise in your disappointment. I know when my late husband, um, when I was wrestling with just his diagnosis and his illness and just praying about it, uh, and, and, and I told a story last week of just walking around the block at Indy Anderson and saying, God, I don't see myself in a win-win situation. And that was when the Lord spoke to me and said, I'll either heal Joe or I'll heal your broken heart. I'll heal your broken heart. And right there, that, that psalm was one that I really hung on to. But letting go of our disappointments is oftentimes not a one-time event. It's more of a process. Psalm 84, and this is where the stepping stone comes in. In Psalm 84, it's a rich psalm. I encourage you to read it. It says, but it talks about benefits of dealing with our disappointments. Blessed are those whose strength is in you. And I'm in verse 5. Whose heart is set on a pilgrimage. Pilgrimage is the process, the journey. Set on a pilgrimage. As they walk through the valley of Baca, and Baca means tears, they make it a place of springs. They make it a place of springs, that place of tears or that place that you, your heart's been broken or disappointed can become a place of springs. The autumn rains cover it with pools. They go from strength to strength till they appear before God in Zion. Your disappointment can help you make go from strength, strength to strength. And, you know, y'all have heard the quote before. I don't know who, who did it, but... It's that life is not so much about the destination, it's about the journey. And I think it's easy to forget that. We just think, if I could just get here, and we forget about the things in the process that can conform us to the image of Christ, that can change our hearts, that can change our lives. And I think it's in that place when, when we deal with our disappointments 
that we can receive an outpouring of his Holy Spirit and it allows us to let go of our disappointment. It can move us from strength to strength, stepping stone to stepping stone. And it's two, it's not wasting our disappointment. Don't, don't waste your adversity. Don't waste it. Glean from it. Learn from it. Grow from it. Isaiah 61 is a great passage. One of my favorites. It says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because the Lord <clears throat> excuse me, has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to the brokenhearted to proclaim liberty to the captives, the opening of the prison to those who are bound. God wants to heal your broken heart. He wants to heal your heart in the area where you've been disappointed. In 2 Corinthians 2, verses 12 and 9, you turn there, it says, His grace is sufficient. Our God, you know, says in that, My grace is sufficient for you. I have that. Somebody gave that to me, and it's sitting in the, in the bathroom because it's such a good reminder that whatever's going on in the day, His grace is sufficient. It's right there for me if I pick it up and use it. You know, I've firmly believe that spiritual disease can set in when any of us has disappointments not brought <clears throat> into the open for God's healing touch. If we, don't feel, if we don't deal with it, we get focused on the negative, and I think it's time we evict the, evict the negative. And we, we take responsibility for our choices, for our attitudes, for our actions, and it's in that place that he can turn the valley of weeping into springs and refreshing. Another benefit, I think, of letting go is once you've let go and you've seen God come and do a work in your heart, it's in that place you're able to encourage other people. And it's in that place that those springs that we just read about in Psalms 84, um, those springs of living water can bubble up into us. But again, it's bringing us to that place. And I want to play a song for you. Let me see. Real quick. It's a song by Lauren Daigle called Blessings. But maybe just close your eyes and listen. And let the words wash over you. Blessings come through raindrops. 
give you a chance to just deal <clears throat> with your disappointments and so what this is going to look like is I want you right now and just give you an opportunity to admit your disappointment to the Lord you can just whisper your prayer to him and when we admit it it's not giving up hope it's not having faith it's just accepting that it is what it is, but God is big enough to redeem it. So I'm going to give you a chance to admit your disappointment.
And now I want you to, to give you an opportunity to forgive. Maybe you've been like me and you've blamed God, you've blamed yourself, you've blamed others. But just take a moment to forgive. Because it's in forgiveness that our heart can be healed. And forgiveness is something you do because you want to be free. And forgiveness is saying, you know, God, I choose as an act of my will to forgive. It's making that choice because he said so. And then looking to him to heal your broken heart. And now you can just whisper and choose to let go of that disappointment and give it to the Lord. Say, God, I choose to give you my disappointment and I look to you. And next, just declare, God, I trust you in my disappointment. And now just partner with him. Say, God, I choose to partner with you in the process of healing. So, Father, thank you that your presence is here, that your love is here, that you bind up the brokenhearted. And, Father, where we've had unfulfilled hopes and dreams and expectations, God, you've seen where each heart is laid them at your feet. And Father, I just pray that your healing would come to our hearts in that place where we've been disappointed, where we've blamed, where we've questioned, where we've lost hope. And I pray right now that hope would come and anchor each soul. And I pray that Lord, in each situation that people are lifted up to you, that, God, you'd come and bring your healing, you'd come and bring your view of those situation and disappointment. And, Father, that each disappointment would be a stepping stone. And we ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. I just want to encourage you to take the study questions home and uh, go deeper in them because I think you'll really be, be encouraged. And we'll hopefully see you next week. Hi there, it's Kathleen here, and welcome to The Gathering, bringing God into everyday life. Let me encourage you to not just listen, but partner with God and practice what He speaks to you. You can access more information about me, my newspaper articles, upcoming events, contact me, or purchase my book, Thriving Through Seasons of Grief, on my website at www.kathleenmaxwellramby.com. This podcast is now in 28 countries, and people have donated so that you can listen free. Will you consider paying it forward for someone else by giving a one-time or monthly gift? 
simply click the button that says become a patron or patronage at the top of the podcast. And don't forget to click the like or follow and you'll be the first to know when new episodes are released. Enjoy the podcast. Well, welcome.